Hi, this is Emily Freeman, and you're listening to Frequency. This is Dan Thompson, and you're listening to the Frequency Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Frequency Podcast. This is episode 15, and I'm Dan Thompson. Normally, I'm joined by Joe Brookhouse in Portland, but Joe is not available tonight, uh, and it's actually quite late here, and he's uh, not able to connect with me, but we wanted to make sure that we get this podcast out to you as soon as we can. Uh, It'll be a great episode. We get the opportunity to talk with Jim Gray. If you don't know who Jim Gray is, uh, he is a social media guru. Uh, There's no other way to say it. Jim comes with an extensive portfolio and history in the music industry, and that's mostly where I knew him from. But he's also been involved in film, nonprofits, brands, companies for the last 10 to 12 years. Uh, Jim Gray is full of surprises, and uh, anytime I watch his feed, anything from Star Wars to U2 to you, you name it, he's sharing it. And he's always got something profound and fun to say. Uh, but we, we do know that Jim has a lot of extensive uh, experience and history working with social media content and uh, branding, um, specifically in the music industry from what where we've seen him. And uh, we felt he had a lot to say and a lot of good things uh, to share that we wanted to share with you. So if you're an artist or in uh, the media realm or uh, in the social media realm, Jim is a great guy to listen to, and you can learn a lot from him. He does regular coaching. Um, He has a portfolio of services that he offers, and uh, we felt it was important for you to get the chance to hear from him specifically. So without further ado, here's the interview with Joe Brookhouse and Jim Gray. Good day, this is Joe Brookhouse at Frequency, and today we've got a special guest for you, the, the esteemed digital media strategist at 3.30 p.m., and professional Star Wars junkie, social media Jedi, former linebacker for the Chicago Bears. Uh, linebacker for the McLeod Loggers. Oh, I'm sorry, McLeod Loggers. Uh, Jim Gray, welcome, sir. Welcome to the podcast. How are you guys doing? Wow, it's great. It's uh, Thursday here, and the sun's out in Colorado. I think the rain has finally dissipated, which I'm grateful for. There's a lot of rain here. But you were you're originally from the Pacific Northwest, so it seemed like you uh, like a yeah. duck, you'd be right at home. Yeah, well, you know, but um, you move here for certain reasons because whenever when somebody recruits you to move to Colorado Springs, the first thing they say is three hundred and fifty days of sunshine every year, son. How does that sound to you? And you're sitting there going, "Wow, I'm just totally I'm, I'm from the guy from the Northwest. I mean, you know, three hundred three hundred fifty days of sunshine at you know, 6,000 feet sounds pretty good every day. Um, what they don't tell you is that it could be, you know, five degrees outside and the sun could be out in the wintertime. Yeah, and that's a real cold day. Oh, and by the way, they don't plow the suburbs here, so good luck. Do you have chains? I have jeans and I have a uh, all-wheel drive now. So, um, <laughs> All right, well, for the for folks who may not know who you are, Maybe you can give us a uh, your elevator speech. Who's who's Jim Gray? What do you do? And uh, why should they be listening to you today? <laughs> if they're not listening to me already, there's probably a, no. I um, I am the um, I'm the CEO and founder 
and partner at 3.30 p.m. that I co-own with my wife. And 3.30 p.m. is basically uh, the idea behind it was about uh, three years ago, I was really bored with traditional blogging and these blog posts you see. And I, I think they work. They probably do. Like, you know, you see that like five things you need to write every day to get 40 million people to look at your website. And I said, okay, I think that's great, but I need to actually see that work rather than just writing five things every day. And so what I did was I used to have a break time at a company I used to work with at 3.30 p.m. So I kind of had this notion that maybe at 3.30 p.m. in the afternoon is when a lot of business people would be online on a break or whatnot. And so I started this cartoon blog that had, it was you know pre-Tumblr, is posturous, right? So I had cartoons and all different things on there. Well, you know, within, you know, a certain amount of months, I've got, you know, half a million page views and I'm sitting there. I'm like, wow, I, I kind of uncovered something here. Yeah. And so um, that led to some partnerships with some uh, other creatives and some artists and some cartoonists. They're actually creating my, they're actually creating, you know, original Star Wars cartoons, Star Wars uh, interpreted cartoons for me. Yeah, careful. There's a copyright there. Yeah. Yes, yes. And um, so being kind of a, a science fiction fan of a lot of different, you know, uh, things in that genre, um, a lot of the cartoons were based around Star Wars, you know, comic books, uh, you know, Batman cartoons, Star Trek cartoons, all those kind of things. You had different themes throughout. And that became its own freestanding WordPress blog. Um, and then when we moved to Colorado, I decided that that was going to be the name of our uh, company when we relocated here. And so that's kind of the dream is, you know, taking an idea and experimenting with it. And it's just really about experimental marketing and testing and see what you can do with developing a, a brand and an idea and a concept. So a lot of people say 3.30 p.m. Is that like your, you know, the time you wake up every day or is that your nap time every day? And I say, yes, sometimes it was my nap time. But yeah, I, I I provide um, basically freelance uh, project management and account direction uh, and social media management and marketing services. That's how I pay the bills. And then personally, I've got you know a number of initiatives that I develop and partnerships and different things like that. And um, so God has opened the door for me to work with you know music and music folks and movies and books and i've been very honored and privileged and blessed to have been a part of that and um kind of my biggest priority is it's about the projects and not me it's building those things out and um so anyway that's about it well i don't want to take us too far down a rabbit trail but you told me to ask this question so i'm going to yes. ask this question yes. here which is um where did you grow up and what did your dad do for work I grew up in, I am a fifth generation Northern Californian. Um, I'm sort of like the last of the Mohicans <laughs> and um, grew up in far Northern California. Last two years ago, my dad retired after 42 years in the logging industry. Wow. And so I grew up working every summer of high school out in the woods doing what you call setting chokers, which are these big cables you put around logs and this kind of stuff, running chainsaws and wearing car in these big uh, aluminum hats and things like that and flannels. And um, I did that all during high school. And, and in fact, the day that I graduated from high school, I, I the next day I actually went out that, that, that Friday and worked for my dad all day in the woods. And I spent all summer out in the woods working for my dad. And um, so, yeah, I was raised a logger's kid. 
some pretty funny, uh, you know, shenanigans that go out, out out in the woods, like riding in a, that is work truck that you ride to work in every morning called a crummy. Mm-hmm. And it's just like this group of guys, you know, a bunch of old loggers with cups of coffee and smelly breath and stuff at four thirty in the morning. So, um, uh, I will tell you that, you know, I was raised a little differently than I am. My life is now, but, um, you know, it's been fun to see where God has taken all that. I became a Christian at, um, at about 17 years old in high school. And, um, a wife and I had been married, uh, 20 years this summer. Wow. Congratulations. But, uh, thank you. That's like a world record. And, uh, we've got three kids, uh, one, one college and, and two in high school. So, but yeah, that's about, that's about enough of me. <laughs> you know, you, you mentioned that you work with a, a, a broad spectrum of different artists, different mediums, and um, and you're quite involved uh, from a social media, let's say, strategy perspective and help building campaigns. So in your experience, when you're working with an artist, or even before you work with an artist, let's say that you know you're, you, you're going to have the opportunity to work with somebody and you're trying to figure out what they've yeah. done in the past, what kind of yeah. stuff are you looking for and, and what do you, I don't know, what do you often uncover when yeah. you take a look at their social media presence? Well, I, I think that um, when someone is been invested in a project that's their life work, such as a musician, they that's their passion. And so, what I'm sort of what I'm what I look for is to see if they in their messaging is it is it personalized? Is it is it does it is it fan oriented? Um, you know, it's really hard. I tell. <laughs> I've uh, kind of a little uh, illustration I use. I said, you know, if I show up at your doorstep tomorrow in Portland with someone's album underneath my arm and I'm in a Santa outfit in the middle of, you know, September in Portland, I show up at your doorstep in a Santa outfit, chances are you're going to say, you know, that's really interesting but yet very strange and um, very random. I think a lot of people approach marketing that way. Um, I've worked with you know, people, folks that have just—they'll call me and say, "Hey, I released my album last week, and I was wondering if you could help me promote that." And and that it—it just—it doesn't work. I think the earlier that one of the things I always I say a lot is that it, is that the earlier I can get into somebody's project, the better. Like even if it's not just knowing about it, because. Um, trying to develop those marketing pieces, you know, a lot of startups kind of do the same thing. Well, they'll develop a, a product or an idea and build it all out, but forget about the marketing part. And I think that there's also kind of like this other part of this that I've heard that say, a lot of people say, well, I'm not really a technology guy. I'm not really a social media guy. I think there's enough out there. You can go to Mashable or wherever and find enough resources. You probably had no, by now we're, in my mind, we're, we're sort of in a third generation of social media, right? We're really in the consumer age. We had the first age of early adopters. We kind of had the second age of, you know, um, what I could call my grandmas on Facebook. And, um, and then a third generation, which is really the consumer age. And by now, if we're not on, so, have some sort of presence, and I'm not the guy that says you need to have Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, I mean, all of these different channels, I might have that, but we really have to figure out what works best for you, what you're personally using, what you know about, what's easily to manage, and something that you're going to be passionate about, and make a plan and stick with it. So 
what I'm looking for when I'm doing an assessment is really trying to figure out what have you been doing? There's really a couple of questions. What have you been doing? What do you want to do? Who are some people that are doing that that I could look at? And then kind of take that information and then based on some best practices that I, that I know work and making a plan and sticking with that plan. And I think the hard part is, is being willing to make that, to spend the money or the time to make that commitment because not only do I expect a commitment from myself, but I commit, expect a commitment from somebody that you work with on a project because that's their life work and you're really there for them. You're not there for yourself. Give me an example of uh, an artist that you think does a good job of managing their uh, media, uh, their, so, their uh, social media presence. Well, I'm going to use an, a band that's no longer together. How's that? Okay, uh, that as, works well. That's a really good place to start. Um, then I'm not uh, endorsing anybody. Sure. Uh, a few years back, I was um, I was able to go out and visit the uh, Seven Tour with David Crowder Band. Yeah. And they had, uh, you know, John Mark Millen, Gungor, and Chris August and some of those guys. And what I really liked, what I, what I really watched was that, well, first of all, I remember tweeting one day, wow, at the BWAC just followed me. And it was brilliant because what happened is, is that these guys, because what we didn't know was that they were going to break, you know, break up the band eventually in a few months, after, you know, six or seven months after that, after the, after the passion conference, but what they did was it was really brilliant because they went out, you know, Lamb of the Abyss, all these guys, you know, Mike Dotson, they're all out following all these followers on Twitter and building this social media kind of, uh, hub. you know, just it was a hub. And it was really but it was awesome to watch it because, you know, the way that they track the seven tour on Twitter, you go back and on Instagram and track all the pictures. And, you know, I really um, the way they did some of the uh, behind the scenes photos of you know chris august and david crowder out golfing and things like that i think that was really really awesome the way that they just did it and obviously those guys have their own style too um i think some other folks uh current folks that do a really good job of social media would be my friends at the city harmonic um and i think that you know recently i was involved with some conversations with a um a tour and and one of the one of my associates that are was involved with the tour he said you know this this tour is all about social media there might be some tours that are out there that um artists can't get onto because maybe they don't have the enough social media uh power you know or voice yet to really get there and so social media plays a bigger part in the in the music scene than we think now and i think there's a lot of people that are sort of anti that but on the other hand um you look at somebody like John Mark McMillan, who recently went out and got his own album, his own, you know, self-produced album, you know, funded off a of Kickstarter. Yeah. I mean, in, in, in no time at all, really. And um, so those people have been able to, to, to play off that, and they know that the fans are hungry for that. So I think that there's, you know, there's another, you know, I really like Chris, somebody like Chris August. I like his style. Um, somebody who's 
you know, when you have a, a fun voice and, um, you know, you have a good presence. I think um, Bart Millard from Mercy Me does a really good job um, having his own personal accounts plus the band stuff, and they make it fun because those guys, I mean, they got to live on the bus. Yeah. You know, year-round. They've got to, you know, make all this happen and make it interesting. Social media has been able to kind of make this personal connection with fans, and, you know, there's, I still get a big thrill when somebody, you know, the other day, I found out the Digital Age is coming to Colorado Springs. So I said, "Hey, the Colorado Springs is coming to the, you know Digital Age." Colorado Springs coming to the other. Uh, reverse that. The Digital you. Age to Colorado Springs next month, and you know they retweeted that. Well, that's a big thrill when you're a fan. Yes, it is. Yeah. So you think about the things you're a fan of, whether it be movies or comic books or music, and those same things that apply to you as a fan work in the fan base of somebody you know of an artist and. Um, I think one of the things that really draws me as a consumer is is just exactly what you're describing, is if somehow the artist can find a way, and you don't have to do much, to engage with the people uh, that are following them, to make it, you know, without setting up a stalker scenario necessarily, but to say, to acknowledge people. Uh, one of my first interactions on Twitter was with, was with uh, Glenn Packiam. And okay. I, I just sent him a note that said, hey, my wife and I love singing one of your songs. And um, and he responded, that's so cool, man. And I still remember that. That's like four years ago. you know. Um, and he's still in my favorite list you know, of yeah. people to follow on Twitter. you know. And uh, just because little interactions like that will, you know, you remember those things. Certain, certain interactions I delete when they show up the notification in my inbox and others I put in little forwarders, you know, like Paul Balash responded to my tweet, fangirl dance. Dee, 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 dee. <laughs> but I, um, I think that some people, that there's certain people that I've, uh, that just don't do that. Yeah. Uh, that, that don't engage in, and, and, you know, if you get a million followers, you just, it's not possible. But, you know, it's, I think when you're working in, as a Christian, when you're dealing with a smaller pool uh, yeah. or a smaller audience, you almost can't afford not to engage. I don't know. Is that wrong? No, no. I think you need to make choices about where you engage. Obviously, you know, it's all about, um, a lot of it comes down to priority management where you, you need to learn that you can't, I think, well, let me just back up. I think that social media period can be overwhelming for anybody, including yeah. me. I mean, there's times where I've gone through in the past couple of weeks where I just haven't wanted to communicate and I just don't I mean I just there's no because I remember a friend of mine uh, John Saddington once uh, you know, I remember him writing one time is a couple of years back saying that you know the pressure that you feel in your head to do all this tweeting and all this updating and all this kind of stuff is is just that it's it's in your it's in your head and it, we make it a bigger you know we may we've we've established this paradigm of thought that we have to be tweeting all the time and Facebook all the time and LinkedIn all the time and Facebook blogging all the time and stuff to really get people to hire us or to deal with us. When it, when it If I go back to the basic principle of social media, it's for lead generation. Ultimately, it is for, for me, it's for connection generation. Yeah. I get connections with people that I would never get connections with. But on the other hand, with Facebook for me, I can be write some personal notes or whatever on Facebook and people will interact with that in the dialogue that hasn't really happened for me on like Google plus yet. 
it has at times. Unfortunately for me, Google Plus at times has come in a little bit late. Twitter was my original platform. I would say that at some point in my history of the past five years, you know, a certain percentage of my work came through Twitter um, and people I was connected with on Twitter. I collaborated with those people. Um, but I think that, I think we live in a society that is, we don't, I think people are learning now, you're seeing Fast Company write articles about, you know, uh, disconnecting for a period of time and taking a digital sabbatical. And, um, so that, and I, I do that at times. I just shut it all off on the weekends. I just shut, I just try to shut it all off. And, you know, you make a choice. I think there's a lot of, you know, we've built a lot of parts of our society with gamers and with, with social media that, you know, we build a hugely distracted society. I just watched a whole series of videos about text messaging while driving. Yeah. And yeah. I'll just tell you, I've just seen some stories now that just scare me where people are just driving all the way through stop signs because they're texting the entire time they're driving. And so we, we live in a distracted society as well. And as much as I've built the, I've been on the other side of the marketing table that says, you know, we need to play off all that. Um, I'm, I'm also very sensitive to the fact that those messages need to be true and they need to be authentic. Just creating buzz is not enough, really. I think people want an authenticated message of some sort. You know, it's interesting because I, I don't know how it's possible, but I, when I watch somebody engage, like on Twitter, different artists trying to, um, to get some momentum behind something they're releasing, I find it's pretty easy to tell when they're legitimately engaging with you and yeah. when they are looking to make you a notch in their belt. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I can be very cynical about that. You know, I'm interested in, in networking and relationships, not necessarily in self-promotion. I'm a bit more of a consumer than, than that. Um, yeah. And I, I get really turned off when I sense that the only reason somebody's interested in me is because they want one more Twitter follower or some, mm -hmm. you know, help me promote my album. Mm -hmm. I can't really help you with that, but you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I belong to a thing called, um, stage 32.com, which is people that have done work with movies and things like that. And I have people all the time that, you know, in that industry, you know, there's, you don't get anywhere without connecting or asking somebody, so a lot of times I'll say, some guy will say, hey, can you watch my web and, you know, my webisodes I've created? And, and I'll go and I might, if I've got a second, I might go and look at it. But chances are, I mean, if I had a, you know, a dollar for every time I've been hit up on Facebook messaging in the past three months about people that are trying to get me to help promote there. And I, generally speaking, if I'm interested, if I'm really interested in, in helping somebody, I'm probably going to call them. I'm not going to. I'm not going to message him on Facebook. Um, I'm still, you know, I, I don't know if that's old school or not. I don't really care. But um, if I'm seriously connected with somebody, I'm going to have their, I'm going to have, you're going to have you my iPhone contacts and I'm going to call you because that's the real way to, you know, to me, social media, I don't do all my communication there. But um, if I'm really interested in somebody, I'll call them because I want to find out more about it before I invest my time into sharing about it. And, um, but I think that again, to have an authentic message. And I, th I think, you know, have an authentic message that's, 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 that's authentic, fun, 
and engaging, and then you go back in and engage with those people, it goes a long ways with your with your base. And I wouldn't, I don't always use the word fans, um, but I like the word friends or you know tribe. Um, I think there's a lot of people that do that well. There's a guy on YouTube, he's on Twitter and Facebook, other places named Peter Hollins. Um, he does these um, acapella versions of songs and does these voice mixovers and things and and he's just a great guy and connected you know on twitter and other places and they just have a great message and it's i think people are looking for that type of content and personalities that, that are real they're not just this you know whatever I, and i think there's some people that are doing that really well and i think there's others that are just now figuring that out i think this whole thing about let's go out and start a company that would market to small businesses well i think that that's great but can you really help them? Or are you just building a bunch of things for them to be to have to manage after you're done? I won't build. I do not. I refuse to build something for a client that they can't manage later if I leave. Yeah. Because it, I've seen it backfire on me big time. So I think people are. That's the biggest message of today is just building an authentic message and and spending some time. Just like if I go out and start a, start something, I'm going to go to my mom and my friends and. You know, because people want grassroots things now, I think. I think there's enough hubbub going out there with with other people's garbage that, you know, people really want. Um, they've got a lot more choices, too, now. You know, we've got a ton more choices with content than we ever did before. Yeah, and, our, and I think, you know, as individuals, because of the way that, you know, with with your the iPhones and the iPads and, and um how it's become so portable that we've given ourselves even less of a, a personal individual margin. And so we have to be a little more thoughtful about where we invest our time. I, I look at TV. Um, before we got on here, we were talking a little bit about how TV kind of takes up some of our time. But yeah. um, I will often wait to see how people respond to a new show before I mm -hmm. will ever tune into it. And I can afford to do that now because I got a DVR. You know, mm -hmm. we've got Hulu Plus, we got Netflix. So, you know, I'm just now starting to watch Breaking Bad. I'm a conservative TV watcher. It's been on for five years plus, and now I'm just getting into it. And don't judge me, Christians. Well, I'll tell you what, we've been talking for just over 20 minutes, um, and I've got like about 40 questions I could possibly ask you. So what yeah. uh, question I have for you is, can we bring you back in and maybe throw some different questions at you maybe? Yeah, yeah, I'd say let's do a um, let's do kind of a um, another another section of this because it's kind of an ongoing conversation, and there's some other areas that I would love to cover with you guys. Uh, but the biggest message of today really is, is if you're really passionate about building something, make make a plan, make a plan, find partners. You know, a couple months back, I spoke at a Colorado Christian University in their school of music, and I did a little thing for them called Jumpstart, which is basically helping them start to think about developing their music careers way before they graduate. And part of that was this threefold principle I have called dream, estimate, create, you know, take the time to build all the pieces. Yeah. 
um, just, hey, let's start a new band, let's get a social media account going, let's make a plan, and let's make a plan of what kind of content we're going to have, and let's let's stick with that. And if we don't have it, then don't produce it. I absolutely relate to that as a person who does project management, because people just want to throw planning out the door. They want to see something happening, and they don't have the patience to take the time to put that together. So that that means a lot to me. And people should take the time. If it's important enough to create it, if you as an artist need to, you know, to share something, then then take the time to prepare the right way to share it. Just don't throw it out there to, to die. Tonight they can't stop this. We got this. Everybody get up and go rock this. Everybody get up and go rock this. Everybody get up and get up. Tonight we're going to drop it. Can't stop it. We're going to share some of your um, social media links uh, when we post the interview, but maybe share the kind of the best way to, to engage with Jim Gray um, out there in the universe. Sure. Um, you know, um, my personal website is jimgrayonline.com, and that's G-R-A-Y. Um, is you can find, you know, get links to my podcast, my email marketing list, and YouTube and things like that. And um, I try to... Um, you know, do video posts and, uh, uh, I have a SoundCloud, um, podcast. Um, and I talk about, you know, productivity and careers and a lot of those other types of things, uh, as well as, um, the blog and then my 330pm.com site, but at Jim Gray online on Twitter is a really good place to connect as well. And, um, but I'm all over, you know, LinkedIn and, um, but yeah, probably Jim online.com is a really good place to start. Excellent. Well, let's um, let's sign off for now. But I think we need to get you back on the show, even if we ha- we can have the uh, five minutes with Jim Gray segment, uh, where we can kind of pick your brain a little bit as people submit questions about uh, digital media strategy, social media, etc. Does that sound like it would work for you? Absolutely, absolutely. Love to uh, love to be a part of that. Cool. Thanks for the time. I appreciate it. That, we, it's been great having you on. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Jim Gray. And if you have any questions at all, feel free to email us at info at frequency.fm. And we regularly check our social media. So if you want to engage with us on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash frequency FM and Twitter at frequency FM. And as always, thank you for choosing to listen to the podcast. We're truly blessed by that. And until next time, Take care.